Hello, and thank you for listening to the Math Teacher Educator Journal podcast. The Math Teacher Educator Journal is co-sponsored by the Association of Mathematics Teacher Educators and the National Council of Teachers of Mathematics. My name is Eva Thenheiser, and I'm talking with Karen Hollenbrunt from North Carolina State University, who is currently the editor for the journal, and Heather West, who is an editorial assistant for the journal and a doctoral student in the Department of Teacher Education and Learning Sciences at North Carolina State. We will be discussing the editorial co-authored by Heather and Karen titled Considering Connections Across Research Questions, Data, Methods, and Claims, published in the February 2021 issue of Math Teacher Educator Journal, which is out now, yay! We will begin by summarizing the main points of the editorial. Karen and Heather, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. So in this editorial, you focused on the importance of aligning research questions, data, and claims with existing research and theories to present a strong and coherent argument about uh, the contribution the innovation or tool makes to mathematics teacher education. Can you expand a little bit on this? Yeah, sure. Thank you. This is Karen. As you know, the Mathematics Teacher Educator Journal is relatively new. It was first published in 2012. And since its first publication, the editors have worked really hard to try to educate authors and readers about what the journal is all about. And so we have carried on that tradition. And in this editorial, we want to help our authors make sure that when they're submitting manuscripts to the journal, that their research questions that they pose are aligned with the data and the claims that they're making. It was something that we were seeing when we were receiving reviews from reviewers that they noticed that there was a mismatch. And so that was the theme of our February editorial. And as you're speaking about that, I'm reminded of the writing tool that is out there. Can you talk a little bit about the connection of the writing tool to this alignment? Absolutely. So with the writing tool, we've also sort of been matching our editorials to that writing tool. So the first piece of the writing tool is about the way in which you need to make sure that you describe the problem of practice, right? And then once you've identified the problem of practice, you want to situate it within the literature. And then you want to argue for innovation or tool that you're presenting and finally, you want to describe the question that sort of guided your investigation and the, the analysis of your data as well as your claims. And so we really are just sort of moving through that writing tool to, again, highlight the different pieces of an MTE manuscript for authors. And in our last editorial, which was published in September, we really focused on the innovation and tool and looked at the different types of innovations and tools that have been published in the journal and this time we were looking at the connection across research questions, data, and claims. Again, focusing on that particular section from the writing tool. So it sounds like if I were interested in potentially writing something for this journal, that these editorials could be really useful. For sure. Yeah, we hope that, we hope that authors will read them. Yes. All right. Um, can you give us some examples of what a misalignment might look like? Sure. So one, sometimes what we'll see is that there, well, for, for an example, one could be that there's a research question about 
mathematics teacher educators knowledge, but then the evidence that's collected will relate to beliefs. And then the claims might be around their practices. We just want to reinforce the importance of making sure that the research questions are aligned with the data and claims. And our editorial highlights some of the ways that the authors in this issue do that. As you're speaking about that, I think that I might recall having submitted articles that got um, some suggestions of aligning things more closely. Because when you write in your head, it's all connected, right? But it's not always necessarily very clear to somebody who is not in your head how everything is connected. Yeah, I would say another thing is often people are reporting on a really huge study, and maybe their study did look at knowledge, beliefs, and practices. Um, and so it's very easy to interweave those different pieces when for an article for our journal, you really want to just look at a slice. And sometimes that's where you see the inconsistencies is because it's sort of an artifact of being part of a much larger project. So I'll ask for advice later, but let's, you gave an example of a misalignment. Can you give an example of an aligned study? Yeah, so we can highlight a particular article from the February issue Mangram and Son published an article called the Supporting Pre-Service Secondary Mathematics Teachers' Professional Judgment Around Digital Technology Use. I've done a lot of research around the use of technology in math education, so I was really excited to see this particular paper. But in it, they described tasks that they use with mathematics teachers where they were to select an app and then write a review of it. And as they were writing the review of, and lots of math teacher educators have used this type of task, but the questions that they looked at when they were analyzing the reviews that were submitted by math teachers was they wanted to know what were the types of apps that teachers were identifying. And then they wanted to see how they were attending both, well, all to the pedagogical fidelity, the mathematical fidelity, and the cognitive fidelity, as well as the technological fidelity. So they were really focusing on those different pieces of the fidelity as they were analyzing the reviews that they had collected from that assignment. And then their findings were about the ways in which teachers attended to that type of fidelity with most of them looking at ease of use or what you might describe as pedagogical fidelity. Many didn't really attend to the mathematical fidelity or whether or not the app accurately reflected the mathematics within it. And also didn't always focus on the cognitive fidelity or how well the tool reflects the way in which a student would be thinking mathematically. And so they provide some really nice recommendations of ways that you could use that assignment, but then also help teachers focus on that, those different types of fidelity. So now you got me all excited about that mm -hmm. interview. I can't wait. I have a lot of questions, but I should probably wait for when I talk to them rather than talking to you. Well, let's just jump into how would I notice if my work is misaligned or aligned? Yeah, I, I think one way, and this is a tool that I typically use with my doctoral students, and that is to create a table. And in the table, you have a column for your research questions, and then you have another column for your data that you'll be collecting, and then another one about the methods you'll be using to analyze that data And you could add another column, which would be your claims. And you try to, you know, map it all through to make sure that 
the claims are in fact answering your questions, but then they're also supported by your data and the way that it was analyzed. So sometimes I think if you just kind of step back from this big article that you've been immersed in writing and try to just pick out those pieces and look at how they align, that's one way that you could tell whether or not it was aligned or misaligned. So now I'm wondering, thinking about myself, if I create a table like that, how easy would it be for me to actually see whether I'm misaligned or not? I love the idea of the table. I'm going to use that as well. Another suggestion that Vicky Jacobs gave me once was delete all the text and just look at your headings and see if your headings tell a coherent story. And I've oh, been yeah. using that because that's kind of cool. It's, it's a different thing. But I'm trying to figure out, so if I, if I put this table together, I probably have to ask myself some questions too to make sure mm -hmm. that it's aligned. Right. So I think you want to focus on the construct, right? So for your research question, what's the construct or phenomena that question is investigating, right? And then when you look at your data, is your data re representing that phenomena that your question is posing, is investigating, right? So thinking not only about the question and the data and the claim, but also about the phenomena just like what Heather mentioned before, is it about knowledge? Is it about beliefs? Is it about practices? What's so there? one example that comes to mind is I think in my most recent paper or probably in all papers that I have submitted, I often share what my students say they learned. And then I think sometimes I try to make the claim that that is what they learned rather than saying that is what they said they learned. Is this something that would fit in this category of alignment? I think so. Yeah, that is a nice example. Yeah, because I think I feel like that this has happened to me more than once, which shows you what a slow learner I am, that I had to like adjust my claims to what the data actually shows. I mean, you can't adjust the data, right? <laughs> but you can adjust the claims. It's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah, let's not do that podcast. All right. So you talked a little bit earlier about the alignment of this editorial with other editorials, but can we? Can you take us another step back and just tell us how does this one fit with the other ones that we've had? Yeah. So just building a little bit more on what Karen had mentioned earlier, the September editorial focused on the interventions, the innovations, and the tools. And in this editorial, we provided different examples of the types of interventions that the authors included in their articles. So some of these examples were analytic frameworks, observation tools, instructional tasks, sequences. And what we wanted to do in this editorial is also focus on another aspect of the writing tool and talk about the coherence across these research questions, um, the data, the claims, and how that all centers back around the innovation the intervention or tool. Yep. And I would say, you know, what you had asked us earlier is that this is all guided in part by the writing tool. And we're hoping that these editorials fit together by using that writing tool as sort of an organizing framework. I'm really appreciating the support that MTE provides for writers by having the writing tool, but also specifically by this editorial because I don't know that we often enough talk about alignment and it's nice to have that out there as a, like, we have to pay attention to this. Yeah, I will say another resource that I used when I was writing this editorial is a chapter that's authored by Sandra Crespo and Jin Pakai. 
they published a chapter called Writing is Communicating with Reviewers, Strategies for Anticipating and Addressing Insightful and Skeptical Reviews. And that was in a book that Keith Lath edited called Designing, Conducting, and Publishing Quality Research in Math Education. So if you want to read more about you know, and see some guidance in structuring a manuscript that that chapter does, you know, goes in much more depth than this editorial. So before we jump into what this issue is about, there's another question that came into my head a while ago. And it's kind of the question, what type of article fits into MTE? And this came about because I had a conversation with some friends where we were trying to decide where to publish something. And from my understanding and the editorials and the writing tool, MTE really focuses on having an innovation or a tool, right? Like the, it's not a research paper per se. It's having a tool. Is that, would you agree with that, that that's kind of the goal of this? I would say that most of the articles we published are around an innovation or tool that can be shared with and replicated at other people's sites. However, we also have an article that could be more theoretical in nature, but even within what we might describe as our theoretical article, the idea is that you can then apply that theoretical construct in your own setting. So I would argue that most of them are around intervention, the innovations, interventions, and tools. Okay, so let's jump into this issue. What can you tell us about this issue? Well, first of all, it's come out in February instead of March. And this is the, so we've started with just two issues a year, one in March and one in September. And now we switched to three issues. June 2020 was our first third issue. And with that, we've shifted when our issues are published. So they will now be coming out in February, June, and September. So that's exciting. And in this February issue, we have not only the article that was published by Mangram and Son about the tech review task or the app review task. We have another article published by Megan Staples and Jillian Cavana around student argumentation, work sample sorting tasks, and teachers' evaluations of arguments. And they have a really nice framework that they present in there that help teachers critically analyze students' work on fraction tasks as they're solving them. So they did a really nice job. Again, we describe how they link their research questions to their data and their claims and help math teacher educators support pre-service teachers in analyzing student arguments. And then Heather will tell, tell you about the other two articles we have in our February issue. Yeah, so another article titled Double Demonstration Lessons, Authentically Participating in an Inquiry Stance, published by Gershon Schlager and colleagues. They expanded on the traditional demonstration sequence by looking at how a double demonstration sequence could help teachers develop an inquiry stance towards teaching. So they were looking at transcripts and kind of comparing how the debriefs looked across the traditional sequence and the double demonstration sequence. 
And what they found were that teachers shifted from a focus on specific teacher moves towards strategies that were reflecting their classroom decision-making and inquiry. And then in the final article, Learning to Launch Cognitively Demanding Tasks, a practice-based unit for secondary methods, published by um, Mark Krieger, Rachel Snyder, and Christopher Parrish, these authors designed a secondary methods unit looking at how to cognitively or how to launch cognitively demanding tasks using the noticing framework. So they looked at what their pre-service teachers noticed as effective and ineffective aspects of a task launch before the unit and then after the unit. And they gathered data from video analysis assignments and then the teacher's responses on a final course exam. And after engaging in this unit, they found that there's evidence that the teacher's responses from the teacher's responses demonstrated a greater understanding of the four aspects in effective task launch. Those are our four articles that were in the in the February issue. We hope people will check them out. Yeah, they sound fantastic. And um, to close out, I've been thinking as I was listening to you describe the four papers again about the writing tool and potentially it might be interesting if I want to write for MTE to just read one of these articles with the writing tool in hand to kind of see how that matches up. And then I was thinking, you know how you had uh, said earlier to create a table, like potentially we could just use the writing tool, right? And connect kind of across of those segments. So I'm imagining in my head another column on the right that kind of talks about alignment or something like that. It's a great idea. Um, Yeah. I just like, I really, really appreciated this editorial in particular because this is such a difficult thing to do, especially as you said, when you come from a larger project or you write something up that's already like existing, it's a little bit easier to, if you say, oh, I want to write something for MTE and go about it that way, right? But that's not how most of us get started, right? We're like in the midst of doing something. We're like, oh, that would make a good paper for MTE and then pulling that together. So I have found a writing tool like really useful myself in that sense. And now I'm going to add that column for the alignment in my own use of it. Excellent. All right. Anything that you guys want to say to wrap up before we close out? No, I just hope the people who are listening take the opportunity to go check out the February issue. And I hope that they find the articles that are there to be useful to them. Thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you. And for further information on this topic, you can find the editorial on the Math Teacher Educator website. This has been your host, Eva Thenheiser. Thank you for listening and goodbye.